0: Psalm 3, we'll read the entire psalm, just eight verses, we'll take our text from here, but the Word of God says in Psalm number 3, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept, I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. This passage of Scripture, we find David in one of the most trying times of his life. I don't know if your Bible says it, but just underneath Psalm 3, it says in my Bible, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. The ladies, I knew the very last song that they were going to sing. I knew they would sing, I Can Trust Jesus, but I did not know that the song before that, they would sing, Don't Be Afraid. And those two songs just go so well with this passage of Scripture because David finds himself in one of the hardest times of his life, running from his own son, fearing for his life. And we come from the very first verse where he says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. And we come all the way down to verse number eight. And what a change we see in just eight verses where David says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. This psalm is broken up in three different sections by that word Selah. And that word is a musical term. And it means a pause. One commentator put it like this, that whenever we come to the, to the word selah in the word of God, we need to stop, look, and listen to what God is saying to us. And in this passage of Scripture, in this Psalm of David, I'd like to really look at one thing, and that is this. How can we have peace in the problems of our life? How can we have peace in the problem? We see David, he starts out very troubled. He starts out with a very big problem. We we see his prayer and we come down to the proclamation he makes that salvation belongeth to the Lord. But how how did David get to this, and how can we, through this passage of Scripture, have peace in the problem? J. Vernon McGee he said this: trials and sorrows are shared by all godly people, regardless of who they are or what period of time they live in. The fact of the matter is, we all have problems. We all have trials. You may be here this evening and you may say, Brother John, have you been watching me? I'm going through the hardest trial of my life. I, I promise you, I assure you, I've not been watching you. <laughs> but God knows. God understands the problem you may be in right now. Maybe you just came out of one, or maybe maybe right now you're in very smooth sailing. But the fact of the matter is, the problem always comes. And when we come to the problem, how can we have peace in the problem? Not after the problem, not before the problem, but in the very midst of the trials of our life, how can we have peace as David had peace? The first thing I'd like you to notice, look very quickly, we'll just walk through this. Verse number one and and verse number two, we see David's problem. David's problem was this. His son Absalom, something happened to Absalom's sister. And Absalom was very angry and he avenged his sister. He took it unto his own hands and he did something that was wrong. And because you you could read the entire account in 2 Samuel chapter 15, And before that, but because he did this wrong thing and he killed many of David's other sons, Absalom flees the nation. He goes and he runs off. He's scared for his life. He he flees, and David, in the process of time, he he forgives him and brings him back in. But Absalom starts deceiving the people, deceiving the nation of Israel. And Absalom he goes and he brings fifty men and chariots, and they come and they stand in the king's gates. And every time a man comes with a problem to the king, Absalom stops him and he says, I'm sorry, but my dad hasn't left anybody here to, your, to hear your problems. He's not left anybody in the palace. He said, if only I was king, if only I was in there, I would hear every one of your problems. You wouldn't have to worry about it. You could come right in. You could tell me I would hear all the problems that Israel had. And he began to turn the hearts of the people. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 13 that all the men of Israel, their hearts were turned to Absalom. And because they were turned to Absalom, David hears about it and he flees for his life. And we pick up right here in Psalm 3, verse number 1, right as David is fleeing for his life and his son Absalom is chasing him. If you were to go back to that account in in 2 Samuel 15, you would see that Absalom, it starts out with just him deceiving the people. And then he has those 50 men around him. And then it continues to increase to the point where at the end of this psalm, Absalom is chasing David with all the men of Israel. Every single one of them, the Bible says, all the men of Israel crossed over the the river Jordan to chase after David. And we see David's problem. He says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah, you know, the trouble in our life it's, it's, it's always two things. There's always a lot of it, and it's always increasing. It's always increasing. The fact of the matter is, if we focus on the problem, we're always going to find what? Just another problem. And if we focus on this one thing, I remember my wife and I, we've been married just over a year now, and God provided an amazing way. We were living in Knoxville. or I was living in Knoxville. She was still in Chattanooga. We were preparing for our wedding, and I worked for a property owner. So he had rental houses, and he had uh, other properties, and, and I was ended up renting a house from him, but the, the house needed work. So he paid me as his employee to renovate the house that I would soon be renting. So I got paid to renovate my own house. It was wonderful. It was amazing. But, you know, I spent so much time in that house. And Gracie and her mom and her sisters, they would come, and they would see it, and it looked a little rough in the beginning, and I would spend maybe two or three weeks working in it during the day while I was on the job, and they would come back and say, wow, it looks so much better. But I would walk in, and as soon as I walked in the house, I would see just that tiny little piece of paint that chipped off in the small corner. They would never notice it, but I got so focused on what wasn't right. What was wrong? What didn't look like it should be there? What was out of place? And when we focus on the problems, they just increase. They just increase more and more and more. It takes a snowball effect and it just keeps going, but it doesn't just increase. Look at verse 2. He said, many there be which say of my soul. Isn't that all of our problems? Many there be which say. One of the greatest problems we have in our lives is what other people are saying about us and how we feel about everybody else's words about us. You know, problems, uh, there's many of them, they're increasing, but they're always discouraging. Think about David. He's running from his own son. He's scared for his life as his own son is chasing him. And he says, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You know what the people probably thought? Well, his sin, that thing he did with Bathsheba long ago, well, it's finally caught up. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Well, God's finally forsaken him. And we come to that first Selah. We come to the, the first pause, that first wait, stop, look, listen. Look look what God's saying. And we see David in a terrible position. Pastor Sexton, he wrote two different books on the life of David. And one of them, speaking of, uh, of David and the problems that he went through, he said this. Pastor Sexton said, Trouble born in the spirit of Jesus Christ produces Christ-likeness. There is no painless way to follow the Son of God. And the fact of the matter is, when we come into a problem, just like what David was going through, when we come into the problem, but we handle it in the spirit of Christ, we don't worry and fret and get all torn up about it, but we run to Christ in the problem, it produces Christ-likeness in us. It draws us closer to Christ. And we become more like Christ because of the problem, we're not torn down because of the problem, but we're built up in Christ in the problem. And we see David's problem here. We see the, the really everything that was that was happening in his life. In this first pause, you know, David he was a go-getter. You think about it. He was just a young boy. And he was out in the field, and he had the sheep there. And the bear came up and took a kid, or the lion came up and took a kid. What did David do? He just stepped up and took care of the problem, didn't he? He didn't wait. He didn't run home and say, Dad, I got this problem. He just took care of it. Think about when he went to the battlefield and he was just bringing food to his brothers. And then there's this great giant who's blaspheming the the armies of God and blaspheming God. And did David, what did David say? Is there not a cause? And what did he do? He just stood up. He just stepped up and took care of the problem. Think about every other time David was trying to win a wife. And Saul said, well, you've got to go prove to me that you're worthy of my wife. Go kill 100 Philistines. Bring me back proof. What did he do? He went and killed 200. Brought him back proof. David was always a go-getter. But finally, David came to a point in his life where he just said, wait, Selah. God, I've got all these problems now. Just wait. Just pause. You know what that did? It caused David to stop. And he said the next next four words that he said is probably the greatest four words that we could ever say in the midst of our problems. We come down to the end of verse 2. There is no help for him in God, Selah. Look at the beginning of verse 3. But thou, O Lord. Those are the greatest four words we can ever say in the midst of a problem. God, I've got all this, but thou, O Lord. And God, there's a great number of things that are wrong, and they're just getting worse, but thou, O Lord. And we see David's problem, but we see his prayer. And look what David says. He turns from his problem he says these four words, and you know, our problems really, they should do exactly what they did for David. They should drive us to our knees in prayer. We shouldn't go around talking to everybody else about it, but we should talk to our Heavenly Father about it. We should, drive, we should fall to our knees in prayer. And you know, Christ, he'll never truly be all we need until he's all we have. And when we come to the point in our life where we have something that's so wrong that we can't fix, and we drop to our knees and say, but thou, O oh Lord, God, I can't do it But you can. We come to the place where God will work. Look what he says. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You know, God provided for every need that David had. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Think about this. David's running for his life. David lost all the army. Now all the men of Israel are chasing after him. And he said, God, there's that big problem, but you're my shield. You're my protection. I don't have to worry about the problem because you're my protection. He goes on. He says, my glory. Think about this. David lost the crown. That word glory is talking about his honor. He lost the crown. If you read the account in 2 Samuel 15, Absalom, his son, did the most vile things to prove that he was the king. He did some of the most vile things in the sight of all of Israel because he wanted to prove he followed some very bad counsel and he wanted to prove that he was the king. David lost his entire crown, but he says, God, I may have lost the crown, but you're my honor, you're my glory. And he goes on in the end of verse three to say, and the lifter up of mine head. God's his encouragement. He may have been so discouraged, he's running from his own son. His own son's trying to kill him. And he says, God, I may be discouraged, but you're the lifter up of mine head. You're the lifter up, you're my encouragement in this problem. And when we come to the problems in our life, ladies and gentlemen, we must understand, God is the answer to every problem we ever have. We don't need to search for the earthly solution. We just need to run to Christ. Just run to our knees in prayer and God will meet us there. And we see David's prayer. Look at his response in verse number four. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. Now, wait a minute. We come to this second pause. The second stop. Look, listen. Look at the difference From the first one to the second one. The first one, all we see is his problems. And look what we see at the second one. The very end of verse 4, what does it say? He heard me. He heard me. Ladies and gentlemen, that should be the greatest encouragement we ever have in any problem. Is that we can pray and God hears us. And he doesn't just hear us, but he answers our prayers. We have a God who desires for us to bring our problems to him. We have a God who desires, who delights in hearing and answering our prayer. Look at verse 5. I laid me down and slept. Wait a minute, David. You're running for your life. David, Absalom's coming to kill you. Why do you think he laid down those three words? He heard me. Oh, but David, all the armies of Israel, they're all coming. David, they're just increasing. All the men of Israel. And David says, no, 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 no. Those three words. He heard me. Why could David lay down? Why did David have peace in the midst of his problem? Well, the first thing is that God heard him. He understood. He heard me out of his holy hill. The end of verse 5 says, For the Lord sustained me. How did David have peace? God heard him and God sustained him. He didn't just go to sleep and give up and die. He went to sleep and he awoke. For the Lord sustained me, he says in verse number 5. Look at David's reaction. He didn't have to worry about the problems anymore. He now had the peace because of his prayer. He now had the peace that he could just lay down and say, God, I've given it to you. But thou, O Lord, God, it's yours. The problem, everything, Absalom, the armies, everything. God, it's yours. And as soon as he gave it to God, he laid down and he slept. We saw David's problem. We see David's prayer. Quickly, look at these last two verses or these last three verses. We see David's proclamation he says in verse six, "I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set them th- themselves round against, excuse me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. now hast broken the teeth of the ungodly." He, look at the turn now. No longer is he talking about the problem. No longer is he focusing on what all is wrong. He said, but thou, O Lord. He said he heard me. He said he sustained me. And now he's just praising God. He's just proclaiming that he had the problem. He had the army, but now God's defending him. He didn't have to worry about Absalom or the army because now he says, God, you've smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. In high school, I used to play uh, rugby. You wouldn't notice it now. College has done a lot for me but I used to be playing rugby in high school. And I remember one time I was in a park and I was just messing around with a couple of my friends and I, one of my friends caught the rugby ball and I was going to tackle him. Just well, I wasn't trying to you know, do anything, just playing around. And when I was tackling him, in the midst of it, I noticed that I would him towards the sidewalk on accident. So I thought, well, I don't want him to land on the sidewalk. I'm not trying to hurt him. So I tried to hold him up. Well, at that point, I was a lot smaller and he was a lot bigger than he is now. And all that I did in trying to hold him up is my hands got trapped underneath him. And he landed on his back, but I landed face first on the sidewalk. And I broke this tooth off in half, and I'd have root canals in the other two. So when I read that verse where it says, Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly, I think, that hurts. I've been through that. But think about this. God's defending him now. He can have peace in the problem. He proclaims, God, you're now my defender. You're breaking the teeth of the ungodly. You're smiting all my enemies upon the cheekbone. He doesn't have to worry about it. And he comes to the very end, all the way to the end of verse 8. And he says, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. We come to this stop. Look, listen, this last one. We started in the beginning. It was just all about the problem. David, he turned to God. He prayed. We came to the second seal and we realized God heard him. And from there, we see God sustained him, God defended him, and he comes to the very bottom, verse 8, and he says, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, how do we have peace in the midst of our problems? We understand three things. God hears and answers prayer. God sustains us in the midst of the problem. And at the end of it all, salvation belongeth unto the Lord we don't have to worry about fixing the problem. We just have to go to the God who can fix all the problems. The disciples didn't have to worry about the storm, did they, in that song? What did the song say? God spoke three words and it was the storm that had to die. It wasn't the disciples. They were afraid for their own life. It wasn't the disciples that had to die. The storm had to die. And can I say, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of our problems, we don't have to worry about our own life. God's our shield. God's our defender. God will sustain us, we just have to worry about, where's God? Where's God? David said, but thou, O Lord. David said, he heard me. And David said, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. I wonder, are you going through the problem? Are you right in the midst of it? Have you spoken those four words, but thou, O Lord? Have you run to Christ? Let's pray together.